What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. The draft is getting closer. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. And to uh, to help you get closer to the draft, we're going to talk to our friend R.J. White today. R.J., uh, NFL editor, picks guru, uh, draft uh, lead draft editor. Cranks out a bunch. Anyway, R.J.'s the best. Uh, and we're going to talk to R.J. about some risers and fallers in the draft process, um, what he thinks the craziest uh, situation he's seen unfold in a mock this offseason is. Somehow it wasn't one of mine. Uh, selfishly, I'm disappointed. I'm going to have to really ratchet things up in my mock draft that came out today. Just kidding. I think it's actually kind of boring, but that's okay. Mock drafts can be normal and boring leading up to the draft. you got to get some real practice in. Um, let's get to some news first. By the way, reminder that if you like the, you know, you like following college football and college basketball, you like the, the March Madness action, you want to watch some good sports analysis with no fake debates, no screaming, no yelling, no, uh, trumped up arguments about nonsense, go to CBS Sports HQ. It's our free 24-7 live streaming sports network. It's a sports, real sports news for real sports fans. Just sports. Just sports would actually be a great tagline for it. I'll pass that along to the bosses. Um, you can watch it on uh, Amazon, Fire TV, Roku, or cbssports.com slash live. Basically, any, any, any place you can get the CBS Sports or CBS Sports HQ app, you can watch it. Of course, you can watch it on your phone. I watch the brackets revealed. I'll be watching it throughout the NBA playoffs. Uh, baseball season here. Got great baseball highlights. So go check that out. Um, news from, uh, from the, 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 well, NFL draft hats are here. They're crazy. I can't describe them on here, but, they're wild. Uh, we have a post on it. Pete Blackburn wrote about it. Um, they, they're bringing lots of local flavor, like Guy Fieri flavor. The Panthers hat has a North Carolina and a South Carolina flag on it somehow. Um, it's not the most attractive thing in the world, but that's fine. Some of them are kind of cool. Some of them are off. You know, you're doing 32 hats for 32 teams for the draft, and it's what the guys will be wearing when they get up there. Um, you know, sometimes you miss that. Uh, in bigger news, the AAF has suspended operations and is appears to be shut down um as Ben Kurtzville wrote on uh, cbssports.com operations were suspended at least for the day a source close to the AAF confirmed to cbssports.com and they would remain so quote probably indefinitely with controlling owner Tom Condon Tom, excuse me, Tom Dundon. Tom Condon is a powerful NFL agent. My apologies, Tom. Um, Tom Dundon, Carolina, also the Carolina Hurricanes owner, basically making the call to shut the league down after investing $70 million into it of his uh, promised $250 million investment. There, there'll be more shakeout coming in, in, the, in the next few days on this, so I don't want to dive um, too far into it. But suffice to, suffice to say, it's pretty shocking that they would do this with two weeks left in the inaugural regular season. Um, the first guys to report this were uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk and a, uh, additionally Darren Rovell of the Action Network. And um, Rovell had some some interesting stuff that we can get into later in the week. I, you know, I just don't want to I don't want to spend a lengthy podcast discussing it right now. A lengthy intro by myself discussing it right now. I'd rather have. Maybe Kirchville or somebody else on to, to talk about it. You deserve a better, a better intro than that. But, um, certainly it is big news. It was, was under the impression when, when Tom Dundon 
jumped on board with this. I mean, I was listening to Charlie Ebersol on, on Rich Eisen's show, uh, a clip from like back when Tom Dundon jumped on. I mean, just like eight weeks ago, he's like, and Tom Dundon said this. He was here on 999 locally. He said, this is series infinity for the, for the AAF. And it seems shocking that, that it wouldn't, um, that it wouldn't be, uh, that all of a sudden it would fall apart. Bill Polian, um, issued a statement, you know, lamenting the whole issue. Again, we'll get into, we'll get into that whole thing later. Um, also of note in the news, Russell Wilson, and look, this is an NFL podcast, so, you know, Russell Wilson has issued a deadline, according to Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times, for the Seahawks to complete contract negotiations with the quarterback, and it is soon, April 15th. If they want to do a new deal with Russ, he doesn't want to do it during the regular season. He wants to chase chase the wins during the regular season. He wants to uh, to knock out a deal in the next 12 days, which means it's not going to happen. I get that Andrew Brandt has always said, and it's true, for, you know, lawyers know this, deadlines spur actions. And that's true. When a deadline's coming up, like April 15th, many of the people know about that one, you're going to work a little bit faster to get whatever you need to get done done. Having said all that, um, I don't know that the Seahawks would be willing to bridge the gap to where Russell wants them to get in the next, I don't know, 12 days. That's a short amount of time to hammer out a deal. Now, look, we're seeing contracts thrown around. For instance, the Cowboys extended Randy Gregory's contract, even though through 2020, even though he's suspended indefinitely. Sure. Knock yourself out. Um, so I don't know. Like we've talked about Russell a lot and his contract a lot on this podcast. I would be very surprised if a deal gets done before the season. If the Seahawks want to make him the highest paid quarterback in football, then yeah, it'll get done. If the Seahawks want to guarantee him twenty five plus million a year for the next five years, yeah, it'll get done. I don't think they want to do that quite yet. I think they're willing to gamble on the franchise tag. I think Russell's probably willing to gamble on the franchise tag, and I don't think that we're going to see a deal get done. I think Russell will be a lame duck going into the season. It is interesting that he got this out there. Um, and uh, in other light, uh, uh, the Browns are reportedly listening to offers for Duke Johnson as well, but we sort of knew that. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he was traded, although he is necessary for the Browns until Kareem Hunt returns, assuming he can eventually get back on the field. And then one fun piece of information, Sean McVay told a good story uh, on Adam, on the Adam Schefter podcast, Adam Schefter, of course, works for ESPN, has a podcast there, talked to some coaches from the owners meetings, and he explained how he almost tricked, he did trick Cliff Kingsbury into thinking that, um, by going out to dinner, Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, and, and, and Patrick Mahomes went out to dinner, and Sean McVay tricked him into thinking that the league was about to take away both teams' first overall draft pick because they were out together at dinner. Here, listen to Sean McVay explain it. I want to hear a little bit about how you tricked him into yeah. thinking that he was tampering. So, I want the details So here. we have a, uh, a mutual friend that I uh, put his name in my phone as Roger Goodell. And uh, I had this friend send me a text saying, I can't believe you're at dinner with Kingsbury and Mahomes. You know better than this. This is tampering. You're both losing picks. And I showed Cliff the text, and uh, the, the he saw a ghost. I said, you better call Steve Kime right away. He said, oh, I thought I was going to lose the number one overall pick. And we couldn't let it go on too long, but it was pretty good. We we got him good. I, I, still, I was talking to him about that yesterday when I saw him, but I'm pretty proud of that one, Adam. <laughs> 
I mean, how good is that? That's a high-level prank by Sean McVay. You got to be willing to go to like serious links in order to wreck your. I mean, like they're not that close; they're friends, but they're like I respect that. And, and, and of course, I think the podcast dropped on April Fool's Day or thereabouts. So it's, it's, it, it is funny to incorporate that. That's an aggressive move by Sean McVay. I love it. If you're going to prank a friend, if you're going to prank somebody, you need to prank him in a way that makes them turn into like look like they saw a ghost, turn ashen white. Think. For a moment, my God, my life is over. I'm fired and humiliated, and I ruined the entire team season before it ever began. And then you tell them that nothing happened. That's how you do a good prank. Shout out to Sean McVay. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll go talk to R.J. White and break down some latest NFL draft buzz. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, joining the program now, as promised earlier, the one, the only, R.J. White. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent, or at least I'm pretty good. I mean, it's it's uh it's like 40 degrees and rainy in North Carolina. Great way to start uh, April. Other than that, everything's fine. I bet it's the same type of weather in uh, Fort Lauderdale, right? No, but I actually went to Dallas for a wedding this past weekend, and it, I, you know, I didn't even think to check the temperature. It's late March, you know. I'm, I lived in Texas for 20 years, so I was expecting late March. Oh, the weather will be fine. Now I got into the 40s. What <laughs> in Dallas? Yeah, man. So I, I was not ready for that. That that's what that's literally what you call uh, climate change, RJ. Like 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 it's never been. It's not usually in the late 40s. Anyway, we don't need to get off on that. Uh, we're here to talk about the NFL draft. Things are getting. Toasty. We're coming up on the draft. You've been running our coverage on CBSSports.com. Everybody can check out all the great mock drafts. I do one every uh, one actually that came out today. I'm it's it's amazing. It's the best mock you've ever read. I've already done it as RJ and I are recording this. As far as you know, um, Chris Chaprasso is doing them. Ryan Wilson, of course, is doing them. Sean Wagner, J- I think Jared Dubin, you're doing them. Tell them we got tons of drafts. Frisco. Prisco, yeah, Pete Prisco. Fornelli. Yeah, for, yeah, Cody Benjamin's doing them what, every, every two weeks, I think now. Um, but let's dive into it first. We're going to talk about some risers and some fallers in your mind in terms of draft season. Uh, of course, you know, watch CBS Sports HQ for the latest information about all this. But give me who's your top riser so far in the draft process, RJ? Well, if we're talking about like top of the draft, um, you know, got, Ed Oliver was projected to go somewhere in the, the, the early 10 to, to 15 range. I just don't think he's going to make it that far anymore. You know, he crushed his pro day. He ran around a 475 in his 40 at 281 pounds. 
for comparison, Bosa ran a 4.79 at the combine at 266 pounds. You look at his short shuttle time was 4.13, which is just incredible. Bosa's was 4.14. Josh Allen was 4.23. You think, think about how athletic Josh Allen is. And uh, Ed Oliver at his size is doing putting up those kind of numbers in the, in the short shuttle, which means that you should probably expect some explosiveness coming off the line from him. Um, it, it's a good measure for those defensive linemen a lot of people like to look at. I think he's going to be too undersized for some teams, and, and they just might not want to take a guy that's 281 to play defensive tackle. But if he meets your threshold, I mean, you could consider him a top three, top four prospect in this draft if you're willing to put up with that size. So I think he's a lock for the top ten. If he gets out of the top five, I can see a team like the Falcons, Bengals, maybe even the Panthers trying to trade up and get into the top, you know, six, seven, eight ahead of Buffalo and get them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to me, it's. Just, I think the Ed Oliver thing has been very weird in that he we he was this superstar prospect out of high school, a superstar player in college. He was considered a high, potential Heisman winner and a guy who could um, have a major impact. And then he struggled so badly, not struggled so badly, he just, uh, you know, at Houston didn't have a monster year, his, his final season there, and, and we already knew, he'd already declared for the draft the year before. I think that we got a little bit of fatigue on him, right? And maybe that's what pushed him down, or the lack of, um, I almost look at it like Jadavin Clowney. Like when he came back, he had to come back, and Oliver had to come back, and so the expectation was, this needs to be a surreal season, and when it wasn't, that's what sort of, at least in the media, uh, submarine just draft uh, uh, status a little bit. You think that's fair? I think it's fair. I think part of it is Quinn and Williams just come exploding out of nowhere. And sure. when you get a guy with that more prototypical size at the position that is putting up those insane numbers and that insane production, it's easier for teams to say, okay, this is my guy at the top of the draft. You know, we don't see runs on defensive tackles that that much in in, in the uh, the early in the NFL draft. So. Um, it's hard to say multiple guys coming off in the top 10 for people. Uh, and then you got a lot of these teams here in that top five, six range are three, four teams. So I don't know if he has a size to play three, four defensive end. Maybe he does, you know, maybe he can bulk up a little, but I mean, he's just a good football player. I, I get him on my team and figure out how to use him after that. I so. think he could play. He's just a guy you can move around. I mean, you can play him anywhere. Like, I mean, you could slim him down and play three, four outside linebacker, right? I mean, I mean, you could try. I don't know. I don't know if it would work, but he, I was talking about his testing numbers. I mean, he could handle it. You know, he, he's comparable to these other edge edge guys as far as his uh, testing and his athletic testing goes. Uh, who else is moving up the the board in your mind? So Caleb McGarry, a tackle out of Washington. I don't think he was really on the first round radar heading into the combine, but he had a really good combine. Uh, I think he was named to NFL.com's or whoever does does that all combine team as a right tackle. He had a heart arrhythmia issue that doesn't sound serious enough to hamper his stock. I think teams have known about it for a long time and they knew about it in college and and he still played. You know, He was a fixture on, at right tackle for Washington three and a half years. Um, he has a ton of experience obviously. Looks like he can just draft him and start him there on day one. And you look at this draft it's, it's a weak offensive line class after the top 18 picks or so when you get guys like Cody Ford and Jonah Williams and, and Andre Dillard come off the board so if you're a team in the 20s and you're looking for an offensive lineman, you're thinking about guys like the Seahawks, Texans, Colts, Chargers, if those teams don't trade up, this could be a guy that, that you can take, plug him in a right tackle right away, and kind of feel good about what you got. Um, he measured with shortish arms at the combine. I think he was really impressive in the drills, though, and it, it's going to boost his stock. Going into the process, he's probably a late 
round two pick, maybe early day three. Uh, I think he could get sneak into the first round here with one of those teams. Wow. Yeah, uh, Chad uh, Chad Ryder. Is it Chad Ryder or Chad Ruder? It's Chad Ryder. It's got to be Ryder. I think Ryder, yeah. Yeah, it's Chad Ryder. Did the uh, all-combat team. Love Chad. He's a great dude. Um, I just struggle with pronouncing my own name. So pronouncing my own name or pronouncing, pronouncing. Um, he does note, uh, we should remind the scouts were not impressed with this 32 and 78 inch arm measurement. We should remind those scouts, though, that 2018 second round pick Braden Smith out of Auburn, um, who had 32 and a quarter inch arm, stepped in at right tackle for Indianapolis early last fall and played well. I don't put that much stock into arm, arm length. And I do think once you, if, like, do you think that McGarry has moved himself above um, like that, uh, that's like Cody Ford, because it feels like Andre Dillard is still the top, top guy, or behind Jonah Williams. Like, has he moved himself into that above that second wave of offensive linemen? I don't think he's going to go in that tier. I think those guys are going to come off in the teens, the Cody Fords, and and, and guys like Cody Ford, Jonah Williams. Depending on what you're looking for, you might be moving him inside. Some people think you got to move McGarry inside too, but but. It's, with the the issue that teams have trying to find good blockers on the outside, I think you take these guys, you try them at right tackle, and there's a ton of teams down there that need offensive linemen, especially at right tackle. When you're looking at you know Houston and, and Seattle, so for me, I think he's behind those players. Um, I don't think he's worked his his way that much, but they, like I said, there's a big gap after those guys, so that's where he's going to fill in down in the twenties in the draft. Uh, so where would you slot him in in terms of your list? I guess you have. And I mean, like, in, I'm thinking primarily tackle here, but really anything in the, I mean, obviously not Garrett Bradbury, but you mean like, like if somebody's thinking about moving Jonah Williams inside, whatever, that's fine. They can do it, but I include him on the tackle list. Jonah Williams, right. Jawan Taylor, uh, Cody Ford, um, Andre yeah. Dillard, who else? I think Taylor's one. Um, I think everybody agrees that Taylor's one. I think Jonah Williams is probably two. Um, but if you don't think you could stick at left tackle, I can see teams liking Andre Dillard instead because he's so proven as a pass protector. And if you're looking for a pass protector, in my mocks, I've had Houston trading up to get him just so they can lock down that left tackle spot with, with a guy that we know can pass protect. Um, then you're looking at Cody Ford. Who might have to move inside? Um, but but I've had like the Giants taking him at seventeen and trying him at right tackle. I say why not? And if he doesn't work there, then you can move him to guard. Then I think you're looking Bradbury, who's obviously an interior lineman. And then I think he slots in after that. I think you okay. got him. You got guys like Eric McCoy and Chris Lindstrom, who are obviously interior linemen. Did you, did you say Did you say Greg Little? By the way, I didn't say Greg Little. Okay. I would put him a little bit after uh, McGarry. I okay, think. okay, okay. Just making sure. So yeah, that's a, and then Reisner is probably right around that McGarry range, but he might he's a tackle or a guard or maybe even a center. It just kind of depends what you want to do with him. So he's another guy that could try. I think those are those two are probably in the same range. All right, and number three on your risers list, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he's two, a burner. He, two female first names in his name. That's pretty good. Pretty good. He ran a 4-3-5-40 at the combine. He averaged 20 yards per catch. Uh, so you look at some of these other guys who do their work, these fast guys that do their work near the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that you can use to go downfield. And unlike DK Metcalf, he's he's a great route runner. So he, he's a guy that gives you lots of versatility for your offense. You're not just going to throw it up to him on go routes thinking that he's just, with his 20 yards per catch, he's just going to go over the top. He had a great pro day. He made some tough catches throughout. That follows a great combine. That follows a great senior bowl. I mean, he's been great all throughout this process. So he was on nobody's radar, I think, as a first first rounder coming in um i think because he can help on special teams he's immediately going to play a role in the offense and he's looked so good through the the pre-draft process he's going to sneak into round one wow. i put him with 
I put him with the Chargers at 28, I think, in my mock. And Chargers fans, of course, hated it because it was a guy coming out of nowhere. Um, but I really do think that <laughs> if you're looking for speed, and, and he's not a small player by any means, and a guy that has versatility as a receiver as opposed to some of these bigger guys like um, Harry and, and Harmon and Butler who are going to be more red zone guys or the fast guys like Campbell and Samuel who don't have that, si- that same you know, size and uh, um, versatility with how they run routes. Um, I, I think he kind of emerges out of that group to be a first round pick to me. Wow. Um, among, this is from, uh, um, SB Nation and Bill Connolly, but among FBS receivers in this draft class, McLaurin was first in 2018 in marginal efficiency. The advanced stat Connolly uses that measures how successful a throw to a receiver is based on the down and distance. He was seventh in the class in marginal explosiveness, which measures how, um, successful his successful targets were. And uh, nobody fared better across both departments combined. It's kind of interesting. What's your? Um, I got two wide receiver questions for you before we move on to guys who are falling. One um, over under three and a half wide receivers in the first round. Um, I would probably. It's just hard to say because there's a lot of guys in that twenty-five to forty range, sure. or maybe fifty that they could go. You know, in the first round, they could go late, and, it, and so it just depends who what you're targeting at that point and who falls. I would probably say over. I think there's enough going. There's enough need there where you could see teams like New England, maybe even Green Bay. Um, Kansas City, if they don't know about the Tyreek Hill situation, the Chargers I liked as one. Colts could use a receiver. Um, Oakland could, you know, Oakland's probably off the receiver board at this point. But and then if you get a team trading down um, with another team looking up to go get in the teens, you know, maybe Washington can get a receiver, maybe Pittsburgh or Tennessee or something. So I, I think there's an, enough options there in the back half of the second round that we're probably going to see four receivers go. Okay, I told my buddy uh, who remain nameless to bet the over at two and a half a few months ago. I think it was two and a half. I said slam that thing. And so, uh, hopefully he did. I, I, I would bet that it moves up to three and a half by the time that, by the time that the season, or by the time the draft actually gets here. Uh, and I'm going to look that up while you tell me whether or not you are in or out on DK Metcalf. Uh, it's hard because, you know, you, you th- he's dealt with injuries. You think, you look at him and you see upside. You see his great numbers at the combine. Yep. You see his size. Um, he only, you know, he's more of a downfield go route guy, but you're thinking maybe we can teach him some routes. Uh, they really didn't need to do that at Ole Miss. They had, you know, AJ Brown working the underneath stuff. Um, so you can see the upside there, but it's just when a guy deals with injuries, I don't know. And at his size, you, you kind of can project that he might have to deal with injuries to the NFL NFL uh, level more than some other guys. So I probably wouldn't like him. I, I know after that huge combine, there was some talk about being a top 10 pick, and I was praying that the Bills didn't jump on him at number nine. I thought that would be a massive overdraft. But after the offseason they've had, I can't see them going with a receiver that high. So uh, I was kind of happy to see them pick up Beasley and John Brown and guys like that. Um, That's right. We talked about this when we did the um, the three-round, super lengthy mock draft with you. That was you, me, Fernelli, and Ryan, right? We did that. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't three rounds. It was, it was, you know, it was just we the did first one, round. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, everything's blurring together at this point. Free agency is like – it was like doing – free. Like I feel like I'm just like laying around being a lazy sack after free agency, but really I'm studying draft and, and getting ready for that. Fortunately, it's like a nice – it's not a dead period for you guys who are like dra- super draft heavy. It is like a nice – like news-wise, it's been a little dead in the NFL, which is kind of right. nice. Yeah, once um, you get past that first wave of free agency, you can kind of kick back a little bit until the draft. The no, draft no, no, no. I'm working – I'm working harder than ever, RJ, as mm-hmm. far as as far as you know. As far as anyone listening to this podcast might know, uh, I believe – and i got to check with my friend 
uh, again, nameless friend who bet on this, but um, I think that the – I'm pretty sure he bet on over under two and a half wide receivers selected in the first round, on, and this is on sportsbook.com. Uh, currently the over under is – over three and a half plus 110, so under three and a half minus 150. I, I agree with you. I like the over there just because of the number of wide receivers who could sneak into that first round. Number of quarterbacks selected in the first round. What do you think the over under is on that? Uh, three and a half. It is three and a half, and the over is minus 175. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, once you, you know, Dan, the guy there is Daniel Jones. Like, is he going to make it into the first round or not? And do you think Drew Locke is a, dare I, I think- say, Locke? Yeah, he's he's going in the first round at this point. Uh, but Dan, when that uh, fifth round option is so valuable, so you get a team that's going to trade up. You saw that happen with Lamar Jackson last year. Yep. Team will trade up just to get that that fifth round option and pay maybe a little bit extra in draft capital, capital and extra you know fifth round value kind of thing to get that that uh, that contract that that contract that you would like. So uh, you know you whatever your opinions are of him, I, I think he's probably going to go in the first round by to someone trading up, if not you know to the Giants at seventeen or someone else. I don't know where. Yeah, the and the Patriots and the Rams are on the back end. Seahawks have a good pick, so, or like a low pick. So there's a lot of teams. The Ravens, you know, all these teams known for trading back out of the first round are sitting there. The Packers did it last year, traded down last year. They could move out of that pick as well. So yeah, certainly, um, I understand why. It's, I'd rather take the under at three and a half at plus one thirty if I was betting on it to, right now. Good luck with that. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, I'm just saying. I, I just rather have the plus money than the minus 175 juice in a in a hypothetical situation. I'd rather just not don't play it at all. How about right, that? we'll just stay away. That's totally easy to do. Everyone can just walk away from from a bit, making a bet. Um, what about fallers in the draft? Your first one. This is a, a not a layup, but I mean more. You know, I mean Chikai Polite's having a disastrous draft process. Uh, certainly not even no chance in hell he gets drafted in the first round. Is he even going to go in the second day now? No, I don't think so. I know wow. one time we were, we were talking about him as a top 12 pick, you know, maybe a fit for the Packers before they made their offseason moves. Yeah, I don't think he even goes at day two. It's just he had that bizarre combine. He ran a slow 40. It seemed like his interviews were awful. Teams were, you know, he he was he came out to the press and talked about how aggravated he was with some of the questions he was getting. Then he dropped out of their workouts due to his hamstring issue. Didn't get any better at his pro day. He ran his 40 over five seconds, so it didn't even get better, you know, with his 40. Um, blame the hamstring for that. He had like, he had like the same uh, – Three cone time is like Michael in it or something. It's something. Yeah, it's some something ridiculous. ridiculous yeah. So he's disappointed with his athletic testing overall. There's questions about maturity already. I mean, he's, he could fall far. You know, I, when I put my seven round mock together, which is going to come out next Wednesday, and, you know, he might not even make it into round four. You know, he might be, you know, late round four, or early round five. Just a team's going to gamble on him at that point based on his, his college product, production and his tape there. So, um, you know, I don't think he's going to go undrafted by any means, but yeah, I, I think, Top, round one is completely out, out of out of the realm of possibility, and, and you can probably forget about day two at this point. Did um did I do a mock draft after the draft last year? Who did our way too early mock draft last year? Uh, I don't remember. It could have been you, me, Trapasso. Uh, it was someone. Okay, I'm I think sure. it might have been me. I might have done one too. I'm trying to find it. I just like to see who I had. Like I'm sure I had Ryan Finley going in the first round. It just looks stupid now. Yeah, I think um, I had Jared Stidham going as my number one quarterback. <laughs> oh, you know what? I know I did. I did because I had Will Greer going first, my first overall quarterback, which Ugh. not happening. You don't like Will Greer? He's all right. He's, he, he he could be something. You know, it's I don't think you take him and, and have plans of starting him. Maybe he emerges down the road. Who knows? Yeah. Oh no, I think you take him as a third round guy. Uh you have DeAndre Baker out of Georgia as a faller as well. This surprises me. Well, how far is he falling? 
Yeah, I don't think it's obviously not as bad as Polite, but he still has a chance to go on Thursday, I would think. He had a lackluster combine, didn't run well. It, when you look at the uh, the drills, he clearly looked a step behind Greedy, Williams, and, and Byron Murphy. So at that point, he went from being like maybe the number one cornerback available, definitely in the mix for number one or number two, to pretty clearly number three. Now, he did stop his skid some. He had a great pro day. It generated good buzz. So I, I'm not saying he's going to go late round two or anything. You know, He's definitely going to be in that that late round one, early round two discussion. Um, I initially thought he'd be taken in the teens. You know, I thought it was between him and Murphy and Grady was a pretty solid cornerback class. But once you dig into these guys a little more, they, they ran their forties. None of them were particularly that, you know, locked down impressive. We're not going to get like a top 10 cornerback in this draft. So once that started happening, guys started falling and you already consider him the third option that pushes him down to the, to the late first round. So I don't think he's going to go in the teens at this point. Um, you know, you could still see him go, to a team like Kansas City or, yeah. or you know, one of those late teams. You know, I like literally as you said that I was scrolling through. I found that mock draft I did back in May after the last year's draft, and I had DeAndre Baker going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well done. Um, by the way, I had uh, first overall Nick Bosa, second Will Greer, third Debo Samuel, four Dexter Lawrence, five Ed Oliver. So that could uh, Jared Stidham six, Greg Little seven, Greedy Williams eight, Drew Lock nine. Fun times. And not in, too bad. No, it's not bad. And in fact, it actually gets better after that. I had all the Clemson guys going in the first round, so that uh, that that should actually look pretty good. Justin Herbert going to the Patriots at thirty-two. Um, I don't think that's happening. I'm gonna uh, put on my expert cap. <laughs> that's, that's a good call. I like it. Um, we'll give me one more follower. Actually, this one's uh, Akeem Butler. Iowa State wide receiver? I thought he was rising. You have him falling. Yeah, no, I don't think it's it's falling so much as I think people have outsized expectations about his draft stock. Mm. Um, it outpaces reality. I think with several guys bunched together in that group between him and Harry and Harmon and, and you know, all the other faster receivers, you're looking for reasons to ding someone. And his drops have to be a concern, even if you think he can get better, even if you ding him for the quarterback that, that he played with. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be one of the top three or four receivers off the board because of those drops. Um, so like I said, he hasn't had a pre-draft process, but I think teams looking for bigger targets are going to be happier with guys like Nikhil Harry or Arsigal Whiteside. I would rather have those guys than Butler. So I see him more as a late round two, maybe even early round three guy instead of a top 20, 25 prospect. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I've i seen a lot. I think Josh Norris, not to quote the comp. I mean, I, I feel like draft stuff, you can sort of cite different people. I'd say I'd, like, I like Josh, and I think he does a good job, and I noticed he had Akeem Butler as his number one wide receiver. Does that surprise mm-hmm. you? No, it doesn't surprise me. He's an easy guy to fall in love with with his size and his athletic profile, but I just think those hands, if you're going to be the number one receiver in the class, you've got to have good hands, and and maybe he gets better on the pro level, but I don't think you can project it as a certainty at that point. So that question mark alone would, would keep him off my my wide receiver one. Hands are sort of like – feel like the – wide receiver version of accuracy for a quarterback. You know, like they say, you can't teach accuracy. Like if mm-hmm. you're not catching the football, I mean, at a certain point, and I think the, the Tom Finelli, Tom pointed it out when we were doing that mock draft, but like his pr- drop percentage is outrageous, which should be a concern. I think if you're a, uh, if you're an NFL team, certainly. All right, let's talk about some sneaky team needs. This is actually how we ended up doing the podcast. Uh, I, I was sort of winging it in terms of what we were, what I was going to, I've had the podcast schedule sort of fell apart this week. Um, weird week, but you and I got into a conversation about the Carolina Panthers potentially changing their defense, and I think that this is something that uh, has gone largely ignored by people doing mock drafts because it's 
it's so easy in, in 2019 when you're just churning out these mock drafts to, to get locked in on what a team might do based on a positional value. Like the Panthers need an edge rusher. They clearly need an edge rusher. I, I've been guilty of the same thing. Like, all right, who's the best 4-3 style defensive end that I can plug into the Panthers? Uh, Cleveland Farrell's there. Let's go. Um, but you, you and I were talking about it and, the Panthers, as Joe Person first, or Joe Person of the Athletic Carolinas first reported, uh, they actually might be switching to a 3-4 uh, defense. And I think it's really interesting when you look at their personnel and, and you, you see maybe some different needs than they have, uh, maybe, maybe people aren't talking enough about some of their needs. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're switching like completely to a 3-4. It's not like a situation where you have to get all new personnel. Like Tampa's going to just run a 3-4 after running a 4-3. So yes. they gotta, they've gotta figure out, you know, guys but, that fit with 3-4. But I think they want to find guys with versatility so they can run some 3-4 looks and 4-3 looks before you go into nickel. But, and, but I also, uh, just, I, I just think RJ, I think it's part of our, and we, we have this conversation on Slack earlier, but just to expound on it, I think they're looking at their defense and thinking we don't have the personnel to run a 4-3. Like we can't do it anymore because we don't. We have these defensive tackles. We have no edge rush presence. We have Mario Addison and, and Bruce Irvin now that that we could potentially roll with. But there's no there's no pure four three edge with Peppers walking around that, that that actually scares anybody. Or Peppers walking away that actually scares anybody. So you basically have two hot and cold defensive tackles in Don Terry Poe and Kawan Short, and really no pressure off the edge. That's a concern. Yeah, and I don't know that either of those guys I would put it as a 3-4 defensive end. That would be my issue with switching to a 3-4 um, permanently because I would rather try to find 4-3 ends that can mix in with Addison and Irvin before trying to play those guys out of position as 3-4 th- as ends. I think both of them would be better fits at nose tackle. Now, who knows? Maybe there's a plan with them and, and they like what they see, and that's one of the reasons they want to move forward. But it seems like those defensive tackles are their strength in their front, and if you're going to do something that goes away from that strength, it seems kind of curious. So... Bringing in Irvin was, is a good for a team that wants to be versatile because he can play that stand-up outside linebacker. He can move down to defensive end uh, in nickel, um, so he should help there. But they are going to need – I think they're if they do want to run more 3-4 than just being occasional with it, they're going to need to find somebody who can play 3-4 defensive end and then kick inside for, for pass rush. I think – First round, maybe you're talking about Christian Wilkins, um, but that might be a little bit of a reach at 16, so maybe they trade down. Maybe they trade up and go get a guy that, that's a better fit, or they wait till round two to get somebody like Zach Allen, who I think can do, can play on the end, can move inside, can play 3-4 defensive end, he can do a bunch of different things. Um, so I think that's probably their top need if they want to do more 3-4 than we think. Um, if not, offensive tackle is obviously a need. They could upgrade a guard. I think if you're going to go 3-4, you probably want a, a better inside linebacker next to Luke Keekley with Thomas Davis out, uh, gone. So I would put that as a need. That could be a sneaky need where you get like Devin Bush comes in. Mm. And if, if those are your top two linebackers, Keekley and Bush, you got to feel pretty good about that. I, I agree with you completely. I saw that did, uh, interesting. Um, I'm not going to knock for Nelly's mock draft here, but he had him taking Garrett Bradbury. Why would he? Why did they take care of Bradbury? They signed Matt Paradis, didn't they? Am I crazy? Maybe. I mean, Brad, Bradbury can play guard. You know, those guys yeah. move around a lot. So if you I like meant to, better... I tried to ask him at NC State's pro day if he would uh, be willing to do it, and he got done with all the questions and walked away before I could do it. <laughs> well, that's on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those guys. You know. Other guys that we thought were definitely centers were drafted to move to guard. Sure. Um, I, I want to say James Daniels, uh, Chicago. You know, we thought he was going to be a center. They drafted him to start him guard. They might be flipping those guys uh, this year. Didn't Frank um, Ragnall move to guard? Frank Ragnall, I think, was yeah. guard too. So you, you just don't know with these guys. Maybe they try him at guard, and then once they feel comfortable with them adjusting, they move him to center. Maybe you, I know. Maybe you move th- Matt Paradis to guard. 
yeah, so there's options there. Just get, get guys on the interior that, that are good blockers and you know you can play. Uh, but to your point, when you look at the Panther spot at 16, um, in, in Tom's mock, the guys that came right after it, Andre Dillard, which would be an interesting fit in terms of, you know, they could move Taylor Moten back to right tackle, uh, after, uh, Daryl Williams, his one year deal is up if he's trying to hit the open market. He didn't get a very good market out there. Um, and so you could potentially then slot Dillard in at left tackle, maybe give him a year to get used to blocking at the NFL level. Um, TJ Hawkinson was there in Tom's mock, which is surprising. I don't, I don't think it would be insane if the Panthers got a blocking athletic pass catching tight end to potentially replace Greg Olson down the road and then Devin Bush as you mentioned a linebacker a guy who can go sideline to sideline could certainly make a lot of sense um, for the for the Panthers there as well who else uh, we I but I basically said put together a team a list of teams with sneaky needs who do you see the Packers potentially needing yeah the Packers were tough we had a bunch of needs for them going into the offseason and they filled a lot of them in free agency and trades and, and all the things that they did you know so so when I was looking at them, I thought maybe guard was probably the number one need, you know, get get better guys at guard. And offensive tackle is kind of a sneaky need for them, too, because both their guys' contract is going to be up next offseason, yep. I believe. So um, if you're not going to, you know, break the bank on those guys, you might want to get younger. I know they kind of try to do a line of succession thing with Jason Spriggs, and that really didn't work out. So so maybe they take another bite at the apple there if um, they like some of the guys that are available at 12. Maybe you take a Jonah Williams, start him at guard, and then move him to tackle you know, in a year when you're getting ready to move on from one of those other guys. Um, so I think that could be a need for him. Inside linebacker might be a need. I know they like the defensive ends they have there even with Wilkerson gone, but maybe if, you know, you got good value there, especially late in the, in the, uh, the first round, you can look at a guy there. Um, and then, you know, bring some more help in corner. I think a veteran would be better because they spent those two early picks on corners in 2018. Um, so maybe you get a veteran presence in there, but, that might be something where you're working the phones on draft day. You can trade a late pick or a, or a future pick to pick up a cornerback that a team's looking to trade at that point. The uh, Fidelli, by the way, in his mock that came out on Tuesday, had the uh, the Jaguars trading number seven overall for number twelve and number thirty. Who do you think it's? About? I would much rather have twelve and thirty than number seven overall. For sure. Yeah, I think this this is just a draft where you want that. To me, you just want that depth. Uh, and then another sneaky need. I wouldn't call it a need for the Packers, but they were sniffing around on Mark Ingram. They were sniffing around on Le'Veon Bell. Some people thought they would go after. So if they're not completely 100% locked in with their running back tandem, I mean, could they go Josh Jacobs at number 30? I don't see why not. You pair Josh Jacobs with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams working in, you know, a little bit. As well, I think that's a pretty solid running running back group, and that takes a lot of the pressure off Aaron Rodgers. I I wouldn't be stunned. I think Packers fans get too caught up in the fact that they need defensive. They're like, our offense is fine. We have Aaron Rodgers, and don't and get too caught up in that and, and forget and like want defensive players. But when you look at what they've got on the starting roster, and I'm not saying that they're definitely going to draft for need, but I do think there is some pressure for this Packers team to win now. I think they will want to get the best possible players, but they have two picks in a deep draft. I think they'll want contributors right away. And, you know, you have Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and Preston Smith up front. Uh, you know, you have, you have some talented linebacker that you invested in recently, and then you have a ton of high picks that you use on the secondary as well as Adrian Amos. So to me, I wouldn't be stunned at all if, I mean, Josh Jacobs would be fascinating. What if they, what if they drafted TJ Hawkinson and Josh Jacobs? That's not crazy, is it? No, I, I, a lot of people were rejecting him for Hawkinson at 12. And like I said, J- Jacobs, I think, is in play at 30. I think I might have had those two guys going to them in one, one of my mock drafts. So I would be down for that. I think you, you 
take that, you pair that with what they drafted at receiver, the late late guys they got last year, and you know some of those guys kind of started to emerge, and and you're really cooking with fire there when Devontae Adams is your number one, and then you have all these other skill position players now that you're bringing in. Yeah, I don't get why they're like, we don't need stuff for Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, you want Aaron Rodgers to burn everything to the ground by giving him more weapons. Um, with the Vikings, I think it's obvious that they need uh, offensive line help. You mentioned right tackle, left tackle, guard, and center. Where's a, where, where's a sneaky spot they could look to draft in the first round? Because don't don't forget that as badly as they need offensive line help, um, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer have drafted. They'll just keep drafting cornerbacks. They don't care. Like they'll just keep adding cornerbacks even when they don't need them. Yeah, you can look defensive linemen for them. I don't think that would be too crazy, especially at defensive end when you have you know the issues they dealt with there, um, with not having um, uh, Everson, you know, Griffin. Everson Griffin locked in long term as far as thinking that he's got the all clear. They don't really have much depth behind Hunter after that. So I think defensive end could be a spot, especially if you do get like Cleveland Farrell, get down to 18, and they don't like the offensive line options there. Maybe they go a little bit earlier than, than anybody thought, especially if teams are trading up. Um, defensive tackle, they could use somebody next to Limbaugh Joseph. I think you could bring in another linebacker even after bringing back Anthony Barr um, to play strong side. I think you could bring a weak, a weak side guy in. Um, so those wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think they really need a slot receiver. Um, you know, Laquan Treadwell hasn't worked out. They have those two amazing guys. Um, but you know, they don't really have much behind, behind after that. So if you get in that slot receiver that can be a possession guy or maybe even work deep a little bit, um, you know, that could really diversify your offense where teams just aren't lining up and stopping those two guys and not worrying about the rest of, rest of your options. I want a camera on Mike Zimmer if Rick Spielman uses a first round pick on a, on another receiver. <laughs> just, just like Zimmer's face turning bright red and like smashing things in his house and in the war room. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question, especially considering that, you know, at certain times teams, uh, you know, teams said, all right, like, I don't know. I just felt like Adam Thielen exploded out of the gates, but then that passing offense certainly slowed down in the, in the second half uh, of the season. And Linville Joseph, by the way, no spring chicken. He's 30 years old. So, I mean, they're as good as that defense is and as locked in as they are, having just signed Kendricks recently, Barr recently, Hunter recently. Um, you know, they have, uh, they have, uh, Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes locked down as well. McKenzie Alexander in the slot and then Trey Wayne's outside too. I mean, and they just drafted Mike Hughes. They got a ton of dudes, but if Linville Joseph were to, you know, I mean, he's, he's 30 years old. I mean, he, how long is he going to play? And then Everson Griffin, we don't know about his health. I think, I think you're right. Defensive line is, is a spot that they could certainly look. How about the Eagles? Where, uh, where's a sneaky spot the Eagles could pick? Because I, I think they're like the Seahawks. You don't you never know really what they're going to do. Yeah, I think a lot of the assumption was secondary, especially for me. Like I thought cornerback was probably their biggest need. They brought back Razul Douglas, and if he's healthy, he's, he's going to be solid. They have a lot of young guys they like there. So maybe they bring in one one more corner, um, but their biggest need to me is inside linebacker. You know, Jordan Hicks is gone. They're going to need somebody to play in the middle of that defense. And I think because they don't have a ton of needs and they have two second-round picks, if they could package one of those second-round picks with number 25, get into that, 13 to, to, you know, 12 to 15 range and maybe get Devin White if he falls a little bit. And if not, go after Devin Bush. I think that really locks in their defense with all the work they did to the, the front four. Um, now you're getting Devin Bush to be like your playmaking linebacker behind that. And then you get guys you like in the secondary, you know, with these young kids. That could be a really good defense, you know, and you pair that with the weird, you know, you know, Carson, what Carson Wentz can do. You already had Deshaun Jackson as part of your offense. So. It could be a pretty strong team. Um, I do think they're going to have to focus on offensive line sooner rather than later. Jason Peters isn't going to play forever. Um, you know, we've been talking about him maybe <laughs> retiring the last few years. 
Jason Kelsey isn't going to play forever. Um, they could use upgrade at, at left guard already. So you're, you're already talking about the depth might not be there. There's injury concerns with Peters and these guys are getting old. You really need to bring your next crop of, of offensive line talent in. So maybe that's a direction they look if they like some guys at 25 or in the second round. Man, their defensive line is flat out loaded this year. I, that reminds me of two years ago. I, Carson Wentz has got to stay healthy and that, you know, the offensive line has to be there and, but I really like what the Eagles have done this offseason in terms of trading for Jordan Howard. They uh, signed Malik Jackson to a deal that was not three years and $13 million. Um, they, they brought back Vinnie Curry. They brought back Chris Long. I think Chris Long is locked in. I think, I think he's still on the fence about whether he's going to play. Okay. But even if without him, I mean, you got Graham Barnett and Curry as your top three yeah, they, at defensive end. That's fine. Yeah, they signed Brandon Graham to that deal that is like – Brandon Graham's contract history has just been weird because they they signed him before he ever hit, you know, before he ever became a breakout player, and then he got a a bigger deal here. But yeah, and I I like I like what they've done. Eagles uh, Eagles look like a team that could bounce back, and or well, I guess they they made the playoffs last year anyway. But you you get the point. Um, Let's talk about we'll call this. uh, Let's talk about some Brinsoning. What are the most outlandish things? Because I think I'm am I am I known for outlandish mock drafts? I feel like that's fair that I'm known for that. Maybe. I mean, I, I listen to Twitter. I'm probably getting known for it too because uh, I like doing trades in mine. And, and I, I traded Philip Rivers and uh, Kirk Cousins and um, who else did I trade? Traded somebody else. None of them have happened, but I, I did it one time. I traded. I traded Philip Rivers for Marcus Mariota, or the number two overall pick. What? Um, what are the most? Uh, who's? What, what are you being accused of? What's the most outlandish thing you've done or seen done in a mock draft recently? Yeah, the last couple of mocks I've had, I've had the Raiders trading up to number one for Murray. And all I heard was that they would never do that. They have Derek Carr. Gruden hates rookie quarterbacks. This, 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 and this. But, you know, it's clearly an option. They, Gruden and Mayock met with him this week. He's, they're working him out. They're working Haskins out. If they were completely satisfied with Carr, like people seem to, to be taking their comments at face value, then why are they working out these guys that they would never draft if Carr was locked in as their number one guy? They can move on from Carr's contract next year. You know, it's, it, yep. this could be the last year of Carr as a starter. And I think the possibilities there for Gruden to fall in love with a quarterback like Murray, especially if he, the meeting goes well, he does well on the whiteboard. You know, did you hear how long he had him on the whiteboard? Oh, it was like, what, an hour and a half? An hour, an hour and a half on the whiteboard with Kyler Murray. They delayed the workout with Kyler Murray because Gruden was on the whiteboard with him so long. So yeah, if he falls in love with them after meeting with them and they all kind of get on the same page, that's what they want to do. Um, look, everybody thinks the Cardinals are locked in, number one. They love Kyler Murray. That's the only way they would go. But this, with how hard it's getting pushed, it really seems like they're trying to get somebody to trade up for him. Because when you look at, on one hand and on the other hand, if you take Kyler Murray and then you got to trade Josh Rosen for, you know, pennies on the dollar, you're getting what a second round pick maybe for him. Um, is, are you in a better situation there or are you in a better situation keeping him, trading down a few spots with Oakland? Picking up whatever you're picking up. When in my mocks, it was the number 27 pick and Colton Miller, who I think is a little, little extraneous for Oakland after they signed Trent Brown to that big deal. So you get like the first, quote unquote first round value, like the Giants got with Jabril Peppers when they traded away Beckham. You could do that with Colton Miller, and you get another quote unquote first rounder plus one of their late first round picks plus the number four, and you move down and you still can get Quinn and Williams or, or you know one of the edge guys. You're not moving down that far. I le- I take that scenario a lot better than trading Rosen for a, for a you know. A, a mid second round pick or late second round pick whatever it's going to end up being so i think they would be more open to that and if the raiders fall in love with murray i really do see a match there mm, i like it interesting all right uh yeah it would uh yeah i i, I don't know I, I could see the i could see gruden do it i mean you could just you can picture it in your mind the whole like conversation that he has with mayock he's like this is the guy 
Mike, this Mike, I'm telling you, this guy, this kid, this kid is real. He's going to change this offense. I do think they want to give Derek Carr one more year running the. They, I think they want to. I think they like the excuse built in though, if they can't get a quarterback of of being able to give Derek Carr one more year and seeing how he'll do. But do you trade Derek Carr? What do you? What do, you do you trade Derek Carr? Yeah, I don't think. I don't think cap wise you can trade him. You know, they gave him some guaranteed money. Uh, I think the the deadline to give him that guaranteed money was like the day after the Super Bowl, so he was always getting that money. Right. Next year. You have to trade him before like March 15th or some, the normal time, you know, third day of the league year, fifth day of the league year, whatever it is. Um, so it's going to be easier for them to work out a trade after the season. And then when, when trading opens up, when the league year opens up, they can move him at that point. So I would expect him to be the starter. Um, I wouldn't expect him to give away unless the season's lost and then maybe you, you get the guy some work. But I, I really do think if you draft Kyler Murray, you're looking at 2020, you're looking at going into Vegas, you're putting his face up on the billboards with Antonio Brown. Um, you're selling out the stadium. You're saying, come see Kyler Murray. You know, yep. you launch the Vegas Raiders for uh, you know first year inaugural season. Um, so I really do think that it, it kind of makes sense for the organization from that standpoint. Selling jerseys, um, Carr is a solid player. If you don't think he's going to win you a Super Bowl, though, why not go for that higher upside guy? No, I'm with you. And if you think Kyler Murray's the higher upside guy, you can't be guaranteed you're getting anybody next year, much less that somebody would be any good. Uh, much less that you could trade up and get somebody they're guaranteed to be good. Ask the Redskins how it worked out. And yet you have the Redskins trading up again in one of your mock drafts. Yeah, JLC reported in March that the Redskins could be looking to move up and make a splash at quarterback. That would completely fit their MO. You think about the Robert Griffin trade. You think about what they've done in the past. They could give up a fortune to move up, uh, and that would be in Dan Snyder's wheelhouse. The Jets are reportedly interested in moving back. I think dropping back to 15 from three could be in play. They could get a Burns or Farrell there. They could even pivot to Bradbury at center, maybe a corner. I think all those would fit them for the Jets. They don't necessarily have to stay at three and take Quinn and Williams or Josh Allen there. So I do think there's a match there. I think maybe if the Redskins offer up their first rounder next year plus maybe one of their third rounders this year that might be enough because the there's not that huge of a gap from three to 15 in terms of talent like i said there should be guys that the jets like down at 15 no that's a good point i think this is a draft where do you think we're going to see this actually happen in in real time because i i tend to think we will a you have a lot of a lot more Young, younger, younger, or more modern general managers out there, guys who might not adhere to the old trade value system. And B, you have all these teams who might be at the top of the draft and say, man, we love some guys at the top, but we're not sure, like, what, the, like, what's the difference between, um, you know, uh, I mean, like, what's the difference, what's the real difference between Josh Allen and Cleveland Farrell at the end of the day? I mean, maybe, you know, it's upside versus productivity versus, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if you could move down 10 spots, and pick up an extra second or third round pick in the process. I mean, don't you think we could see a lot of that where teams move up and down uh, at a very minimal cost? Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of teams are trying to move down now. I think that's become the MO when the Patriots have done it so successfully and other teams have made it work that a lot of teams by default are looking to move down unless there's like one need. They think either they're like desperate for a quarterback and they, they want to get up into a range to get it like Arizona and Buffalo last year, like could be Washington this year. Um, you know, Miami seemed like they're going to wait. Um, so that's a possibility. Or if there's like one thing that you absolutely need that, that, and there's a clear guy that you would move up for, you could go up and get him. Um, you know, I think the Eagles could go up for that linebacker. I think the Texans could go up for, for offensive linemen. Um, cause they just, it's such a desperate need for those teams, uh, in my eyes. So I think those are the only two situations where you're looking to trade up. And you kind of do have to have the capital. Both the Houston, the Texans and Eagles have extra second round picks this year. So they do have the option of using those to get up for a premier player rather than sitting down in the twenties. All right. I like it. RJ White, you're the best as always. You, you, uh, keep the, uh, the ship 
ship steered in the draft world. Thanks for coming on. You're excited to be, uh, how many days till you're done? Uh, we're about a month out. You know, it's early April and once draft weekend's over, you know, we get our, our, our coming out of the draft, our, our, ta- our hot takes and reactions and we have the good drafts and probably about a week after that, then it really slows down and you can enjoy the off season. You gonna take a vacation? Oh, for sure. I'm, pro- I'm going to Vegas like we usually do in August to sign up for the contest and then I might go one or two places else just because I have so much free off time I need to burn off. I know, yeah. This, uh, this, we need to file something with HR to remind them that we deserve our off time. Alright, thanks buddy. Thanks.